0: Are we playing God with AI? Will AI replace music and film and art? Have we already given away humanity's control to AI? Elon Musk said AI was more dangerous than nuclear weapons. He also said that it is the most destructive force in human history. Boston Dynamics now have advanced humanoid robots. They can do somersaults and they can fight on the front line in the military. They can make kill decisions, even if you're told they can't. AI can track and surveil every single one of your financial transactions. AI could control a cashless society. You could be stopped from leaving your house or crossing a border. They could close or pause any payments in and out of your bank account. AI can debank you like they did with Nigel Farage. AI can serve ads to you. It can control what you see on social media and what you don't. If you aren't monetizing AI, AI is monetizing you. AI can get you addicted to the scroll and to the swipe. AI can create the most deadly chemical weapon known to man. In the coming short years, we could be past the event horizon. Pandora's box could be opened. We could have Skynet, and AI could fully control our every move. But there's also a lot to be excited about AI. It can build a website. It can do all your coding, all your researching. It can do your editing, your designing, your copywriting. It can save you thousands of pounds a month on staff you'll no longer need. Many people are scared that AI will wipe out their job and it will wipe out millions of jobs. AI probably will wipe out low-level, automatable jobs but every downside has an upside. But if you learn, operate and leverage AI, this could be the best business opportunity of the 21st century. Let's say you're a copywriter, you may be scared that your job is over because AI can do all the writing instead of you. However, if you operate and leverage AI, AI could write copy for 100 clients that you could use AI to find on the internet. Are we playing God with AI? Will AI replace music and film and art? Have we already given away humanity's control to AI? Or is AI our next million pound business opportunity? Let's go. Over the last eight years, I've interviewed some of the most interesting people on the planet. I'm going to pick some of the best bits of some of the most interesting guests and we're going to go deep down the AI rabbit hole. Let's go. Elon Musk said AI was more dangerous than nukes. But Bill Gates says that AI is the most important tech advancement in decades where do you sit between elon musk and bill gates
1: well, i think both of those statements are are true and I, I think the first one though needs to be uh taken in context i mean i i on the bill gates quote i would say The mathematician uh, I.J. Good summed it up well in 1965 when he said, the first ultra-intelligence will be the last invention humanity has to make. By an ultra-intelligence, he meant a thinking machine that's much smarter than people. And what I'd add to that is once you've created a real thinking machine that can think as well as people, you're not far from an ultra intelligence, a super intelligence. that's much smarter than people because once, once you have a thinking machine that can really think like people that thinking machine can program, it can study computer science, it can study hardware engineering, it can Im- improve itself and you'll get, you'll get exponential increase in the, in the intelligence of that thinking machine and it's, and it's successors, which will be a- a- AI created. So no doubt, that's the biggest technology in human history. I mean, it may be the biggest event on planet Earth. Like you, even even uh, go, go, going back to the the time Earth crystallized out of a ball of fire that that spun out of the sun, right? I mean, going you're going from evolved intelligence to engineered and then self re-engineering intelligence. It's it, it's that's a big thing and there's a lot of issues there and from there's a lot of amazing possibilities there there's there's also obviously significant risks right so when what elon musk says you know there's more danger in ai than in nukes sure but there's also tremendously more promise and these these always go together right i mean you could say in the same way you know there there's more danger in in airplanes and in automobiles and it, it's it, it's true in a way you can suicide bomb with airplanes you can you can drop missiles with airplanes and there's more danger in, in humans than in gorillas and chimpanzees currently under human
0: military control if trump has a nuke and putin has a nuke you can still have a human agreement written or otherwise which avoids MAD, which is mutually assured destruction. The fact that I have a nuke button gives me some defense. The fact that my opponent has a nuke button gives me some threat. But if he hits the button and I hit the button, we're all dead. So right now we still have human control protecting humanity, but if we give AI, a kill decision, an AI has control over its nuke button, what's to stop AI wiping out all of humanity with no written or unwritten human agreement? That being said, I saved six grand on my researcher for my new book because ChatGPT did the work of a researcher that might have taken a 100 hours and six grand in fees.
1: I'm quite grateful for AI for researching for my book. There's going to be several years of step by step AI obsoleting job after job in different industries. In the end, I think you're going to see some form of universal basic income roll out in the developed world. But what worries me, among many other things, is who's going to give universal basic income to the average, you know, citizen of the Central African Republic or, 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 or Senegal, right? I mean. There's not much appetite for that in 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 the West. In China, there's appetite for building superhighways from the mine to the port, but not so much for giving giving basic income to the people in in Africa. So you've got you've got potential for temporary exacerbation. Of the gap between haves and have nots globally, which is always something that can exacerbate all sorts of, of instability. So I'm somewhat worried about that, that transition period, less so than about the end game. And I think I think somewhere in that rant, I answered your second question, also, which is what what, what excites me most, right? I mean, there, there's two pieces, you know, what one is it will be great to be a superhuman supermind with effectively godlike intelligence and and capability, even if it meant giving up being human in the in the traditional sense. It'd be great to have the option to merge with the an AGI supermind. It would also be great, you know, to live a human life without headaches, stomach aches, uh, old old age, and uh, and death, and the need to Worry about paying your bills at at at, at the end of the month. right I mean, we we are living better in a material and medical sense than, than, than we have in the, all of human history. But there's a lot of room for improvement, right? And I think if you're really looking to a situation of superhuman AGIs, there's no reason you couldn't make multiple copies of yourself, like Ben 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 One stays on earth in the human body that never gets sick and dies and like uh, hikes all possible trails, learns all languages, plays all musical instruments and, and so on. And then Ben too fuses with the, with the AI supermind. And this is, a, this is what's interesting about Bill and Elon is I think, I think Elon Musk sees that long-term upside very, very clearly. Whereas Bill Gates has been a little more grounded in near term in his, in, his, in his thinking. On the other hand, Elon Musk seems to have, let me say, less faith in human nature and in the, the benevolence and, and compassion of human society as it shapes the young, the young AGI minds. And probably his experience uh, policing Twitter hasn't, hasn't improved his impression of the benevolent streak of human nature.
0: Universal basic income to me sounds like extreme communism and control whereby you're not encouraged to work but you're given a minimum basic income to survive not to thrive. It sounds to me like populist control so that you might own nothing and be happy and you might behave in a way that central banks and governments want so that they can hoard wealth and control for themselves. If universal basic income is controlled by AI, algorithms, formulae, that makes it even scarier to me because you are essentially just a, a digit. You are a, a, a non-human. You are a cell on a spreadsheet. And um, We could lose our creativity, our innovation. We could lose breakthroughs to progress as humanity. The arts, film, music could all be wiped out. The American dream and starting from nothing and building a a multi-million pound business, that could be dead. You'll essentially be addicted to an automated welfare. And with the evolution and digitization of currency, you could be paid in some kind of central bank digital currency where if they don't like your spending habits, they'll reduce the amount you get. They'll stop you leaving your house or your country or your community. If they wanna charge you 50%, 80%, 90% in tax, what's to stop them? Why would I work hard? Why would I chase my dreams? Why would I hire people? Why would I take risks? Why would I try to improve humanity and do good in the world If everything is being stolen from me, digitally controlled, hyperinflated and taxed at source before I get the money and I'm left with the slim pickings at the end. Why would I want to agree to that?
1: There's a generational aspect here, though. But of course, if you look back, if you look back further, I mean, you know, there in the late 1800s, how long was the work week? Right. I I mean, for for a factory worker, I mean, I think I think there's a there's been a. In the Stone Age, people may have worked two to four hours a day and spent most of the time hanging out with their families. Right. And maybe maybe life was easier, easier and happier. But of course, happiness has not been humanity's prime goal. We're always trying to leap into the unknown. But I think since the Industrial Revolution, I mean, that was a big burst of human overwork and it's sort of been uh, been ramping down in the in the developed world since then and part part of that is reflecting the generational shift between us and people who are 25 now because in in our generation everything was hard right i mean you had to work like hell to make anything happen and then usually usually it usually it failed anyway even after you broke your back working day and night for years and years usually it completely failed, you had to give up or or start over again. And I, I see, I mean, in the current era, that level of persistence and patience is often not needed because new technologies are just dropping things in in your lap. What does excite me is the
0: ability for AI to extend our life and to diagnose early ailments and diseases, maybe to have on-demand super doctors because in the UK the NHS is broken and you have to make and you have to wait many weeks or many months just to get an appointment or a diagnosis i imagine doctors may be a thing of the past where you have your own ai which intuitively learns the specific characteristics of you and this could dramatically reduce pain reduce inflammation reduce disease and help you live a lot longer. We could almost have a decentralized health system where you are your own hospital and you are your own doctor and you could 3D print your own casts for broken bones. I mean, the opportunity for life extension and life longevity is really exciting.
3: I'm actually most excited for medical advancements. I know that sounds kind of funny because it may be not entirely in alignment with, you know, what I do for a living. But I think that's the thing that charges me the most when I'm looking at future life best potentials, which I can do. Um, What we're about to see in the medical field makes everything that we're experiencing today and before today look like, you know, the dark ages. And a lot of the, I mean, illnesses, especially chronic illnesses that a lot of medicine has not had a good answer for. Medicines had okay answers for like how to put parts together, almost like mechanical. But when it comes to long-term chronic illness, they've really come up short and that's about to change all of it. And it causes a lot of suffering within families, you know, and individuals that are facing these things where in the future, it's a joke. I mean, it's the way we look at certain things back in the 1500s, you know, a medical doctor reads it and is like, Oh my gosh, that's so tragic. That's actually this easy of a fix. But a lot of the things that we're facing today, including cancer is like, I can't believe they died of this back then, you know, and I, I mean, really exciting advances where it's, it's like things as simple as I, I've been looking at these nanobots basically, um, that they're about to invent where a person literally swallows. I mean, we're talking these like microscopical little, little bots that are programmed specifically to go repair cells. The
4: reason I'm afraid of AI, eventually it's going to be turned into something that can fire a weapon. And then it's going to be turned into something that can lead a, a squadron of UAVs across the ocean to carry out a secret mission. That's when you have your Terminator moments where everything's connected and it wasn't us that connected it.
0: But I want to go back to the fact that you said that we as a, a species won't ever wipe ourselves out or, or, or... I don't even you think you said that. I think you said, you know, we'll continue as a species. But uh, that, isn't the sun only got about five billion years of burning left before that goes and burns itself out into some kind of black hole? And it, like, if you go back enough time, does, don't you get a natural? Won't there be some? Uh, uh, I don't know.
4: Extinction level. Events? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. But that's not us doing it to ourselves. Those are right. natural phenomena. OK. Yeah. When it comes to us doing it to ourselves like there's the the thing that nobody wants to talk about because it's it's a wet blanket in a you know it's a wet blanket in a soap party if you're if you talk about the fact that humans are built to self-preserve i want to talk about are, it
0: let's talk about it <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah we all we are all built with a instinct to preserve ourselves so even the people who are creating ai even the people who are creating cutting edge technology even the people who created nuclear weapons they were all creating them with an eye towards preserving themselves, right? So I'm sh- there's, a, there's an element artists talk about where they put a piece of themselves into their creation. The same thing is very true for when people do programming or when they create uh, digital artifacts, right? They're putting a bit of themselves into the artifact. The logic that they use to code something is logic that they created in their own head, right? Or a team of people created in their own head. So you can't help but kind of you know, kind of leaving the residue of humankind into everything that human human beings create, And a big part of that residue is preservation, right? Legacy, living on uh, generational something, generational knowledge, generational impact, whatever it might be. So with that in mind, you know, we may want to even even super villains from comic books want to take over the world. Right. Sometimes they want to kill everybody, but they always want to preserve themselves. Right.
0: Yeah so um why do you think we don't want to talk about this then because to me this sounds um thoroughly interesting and um i know that about myself Um, because
4: it 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 neutralizes the virality of the doomsday prediction from ai right i'm the reason i'm afraid of ai i'm not afraid of ai on its own if anything, I kind of welcome the day that AI exists. It'll be really nice to talk to like an intelligent, level-headed, non-emotional something, right? It's like, remember when Ask Jeeves, the search engine first came out, mm. I used to love using Ask Jeeves, because I felt like I was asking a question of a butler, right? That's the way it was built. <laughs> it was like the greatest search engine ever, just not really well built. So it's going to be really nice when we have AI to engage with. When we, when we talk to Alexa, or we talk to Siri and she doesn't fuck up the answer like she so often does right now. right? It's gonna be really nice to have that. Uh, but what people, what people are afraid of is that they think that AI is going to do what the movies do and it's going to like realize that human beings are, are some kind of threat and ineffective and need to be neutralized or destroyed or whatever else. Uh, I don't think that's how AI is actually going to work at first. right? I think instead, AI is gonna take its cues from the programmers who program it so the first A.I. developed is going to be something like like what we have with ChatGPT, just something to talk to. Mm. But then eventually it's going to be turned into something that can fire a weapon. And then it's going to be turned into something that can lead a, a squadron of UAVs across the ocean to carry out a secret mission. And then it's going to be you know, something that's that creates its own cyber attack. Uh, and it's going to be something that learns how to hide in the Internet or hide by hopping from satellite to satellite without being caught. Right, and then it's just eventually all of those different AI streams are going to learn how to connect themselves, and that's when you have your, you know, your your Terminator Skynet moments where everything's connected and it wasn't us that connected it. Hmm. So, I
0: sometimes think, and it, it, maybe we're going to disagree here, but I'd love your thoughts. I sometimes think that we think we are smarter than we are as a species. If you look at the laws of nature, the laws of nature are the laws of nature. They are unbreakable. You resist them, you ain't winning. But if you look at the laws of humanity, they're manipulable. We can cheat, we can lie and we can break them ourselves. Do you think as a species we have this hubris where we think we're more intelligent than we are and we should listen to nature more and we often inter- intervene too much in you know, our pursuit for progress. We're, always, we're intervening too much with nature. What are your thoughts on that?
4: yeah you know unfortunately i think what's happened with human beings is that we have separated ourselves from nature we no longer think of ourselves as part of nature we think of ourselves as something different so i i don't use the term that we are we think that we're smarter than we are i think if anything we are quite a bit smarter than we actually act right i think we're we act quite dumb compared to how smart we really could be because we let Bullshit like social pressure and uh, cultural norms and you know outside hierarchical power structures. We let all of these things direct our actions, even though in our brain we're like, this doesn't make sense, mm. right? But we still do it anyways. Why, why do we walk on a sidewalk and cross at a crosswalk? Because we have to, not because it's efficient. Even though we all, there's a part of all of us that's like, I kind of don't want to walk on this sidewalk. I kind of don't want to cross at that crosswalk. So if anything, I think human beings are smarter. Than we give ourselves credit for but mm. i do think that the problem that you're talking about is that we've separated ourselves from nature we have we have forgotten that there's an element of survival that's required every day because so much of our survival has been outsourced to something or someone else someone else takes care of making sure that there's electricity someone else takes care of making sure you know, berries grow and get shipped to the grocery store. All we have to do is go into our office and click our computer, log in, log out and take our paycheck to the grocery store and buy what we need to eat. We've we've separated ourselves from nature. And as a result of that, we let ourselves get very distracted by bullshit. uh, And and we continue to then kind of generationally uh, pervert the next generation by being even more disconnected to nature or disconnected from nature than our generation was. I mm. used to play outside,
0: yeah. right?
4: I used to be able to play outside until the lights went on. Yeah. What what do kids do now? Kids do my like, kids now aren't allowed to go outside of the house without an app and a tracker on their phone. And most yeah. of the time they spend their time behind a screen. Mm.
0: I mean, we, are you old enough to remember when you could go out of the house and you didn't have to lock the car or the house door?
4: Yeah, I still, as an adult, I will still tell my wife, like, don't lock the door. And she looks at me like I'm crazy, right? (laughs) Just everybody's different. And I I spent a summer in Maine with my family just so they could see what it's like to go back in time, Mm because in a lot of in a lot of ways, Maine, which is one of the 50 states in the U.S., Maine is like going back in time 20 years. Right. So in 2023, it was kind of like living more like in 1990 when you went up to Maine yeah. But it was, a, it was an era where kids played outside, and you didn't have to lock your door when you parked in your own driveway, and shopkeepers lived above their shop, right? It mm. was a whole different world back then.
0: So, like I said, um, Andrew, when I do my research, sometimes I go deep, sometimes I stay distant, but there is something specific you said that I want to address here, because I, um, you're an entrepreneur now. I've been an entrepreneur for 17 years. And this is really useful information that if we can proliferate out to the entrepreneurial community, more people are going to start that business Know that they know they want to, but they haven't yet done. And more people are going to be successful in business. And it was, I th- I, if you could explain it, but I'll set the scene. But I think you basically said that you need, if you've had some kind of childhood trauma, but it hasn't broken you, you're often a very successful person. And I see that time and time again. Entrepreneurs have had some childhood issues, not if it's too hard on them and they break, they don't often become entrepreneurs, but if they've got a bit of baggage improving themselves. And you know, maybe they didn't have a good relationship with their dad, they can become very successful. And I heard you talk about that.
4: Yeah, exactly right. So one of the things that we're taught at CIA is that one of our kind of core reasons why we're recruited is because we have some kind of childhood trauma. There's something that we're carrying with us from childhood that helps shape our cognitive uh, processing when we were kids. Right. Because that's what childhood trauma is doing. Childhood trauma is basically uh, conditioning and programming the prepubescent brain. Right. Your core brain before you layer anything else into it before college, before grade school, before before quizzes and tests and recess. Right. Childhood trauma is conditioning you for something. But the problem is that too much trauma ends up uh, breaking systems in your brain and then it it makes you reliant on coping mechanisms. So too much trauma is a bad thing. But there is this sweet spot where trauma creates in us this desire to prove ourselves, what we call a high performance uh, initiative, right? So it creates this initiative for high performance. I think if we use AI as a tool like a calculator
0: to give us the best data and the information possible and we preserve Empathy and love as will says and we restrict its ability to be sentient and intuitive because sentience and intuition and love and empathy These are human Emotions and qualities that should stay human and not be done by an algorithm I think AI makes a great servant but a terrible master well um- Elon Musk said that um, he was more scared about AI than nuclear weapons. And you predicted the rise of
5: AI. So are you excited or scared about AI? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Because if you're from the Congo or you're from the South Bronx, if you're from Compton, if you're from any place where humans are responsible for the underserved, underdeveloped, no opportunity Then finally, you have a tool to change and transform your community for the better yourself by identifying um, the configuration of your environment, seeing the problems, you've lived through the problems, now you have a tool to help you resolve that problem. Um, So because of that, I'm excited that there's people of the world that have been ignored by humans to finally have the tools to transform and change their environment themselves.
0: So where a lot of people who are human are scared of AI, you think maybe AI is superior to humans? No, 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 no.
5: no. I'm saying it's all math. So AI is just math. It's like a calculator to help mathematicians do math faster, right? Hmm. So is a calculator superior to mathematicians? No, right, so mathematicians are still superior supreme. Although it can calculate, right, the calculator cannot, you know, it doesn't understand. And although AI can calculate and give you the illusion it understands, it doesn't have empathy, doesn't have love. And so when you have empathy, love, understanding, and desire to create, no, AI is not superior to to people. Hmm. What I'm, my comparisons to underdevelop, underserve, is identifying that somebody is responsible for not developing and not serving. Now people have the tools to serve and develop themselves, It's advanced math, right? And yeah, AI could go wrong, like nuclear went wrong. Mm. And if it goes wrong, it's going to go wrong because of what? Because of people. Now, people that are suffering in the Congo is because of what, AI? No, people. So I take what Elon said, right? He's smart. He didn't say anything false but it's people he's afraid of. Nuclear AI. At the end of the day, it's people. Their intentions, their morals, their practices, their incentives, and the havoc they, they we, we've caused to other people. And so the optimist, a person that came out of a struggle via technology, the folks that are afraid of technology are the folks that, are, that have sat on the lap of comfort, the lap of lux, right? And, and what about the folks that can be, uh, catapulted to a a different um living environment because of it Mm. themselves in the music industry ai seems to be really disrupting yeah
0: um this show is called disruptors it's one of my favorite subjects and um i mean i had a conversation with my progressive rock idol stephen wilson and he said that you could request to ai to have a Will I am hit in the style of death metal mm-hmm. in one minute long and it could just come up with that music. In 30 seconds. Yeah. Is that good or bad
5: for the music industry and musicians and creativity? That's awesome. right? I was talking to one of, I'll say the sentence this way. I was talking to one of my uh, yoga instructors and he was saying, or she was saying, or they were saying, you could tell the, yo- the AI yoga to do a dawn- downward doggy, and it doesn't. It. That don't mean it's gonna do it for you, bro. It ain't gonna stretch for you. You still have to stretch. So for any creator that's like, AI AI's gonna create, okay, that's cool. But I need to create. This is my stretching. Me writing is my therapy. And the only person that's going to rinse me out is me. So I don't give a f- AI can make a song in 30 seconds. So what? Why? Well, People are so scared
0: of it doing things like that. Like in the film industry, they're scared of it being able to essentially
5: replace their career. Everyone seems so scared. Because I think people forgot that these industries were the advanced technology at some point in time. We have to remember that in 1823, what we call the music industry right now didn't exist.
0: I wonder if there's a visual AI tool that can make me look as cool as Will I am.
6: You know, tastemakers are deciding what goes in those playlists.
0: The tastemaker is?
6: The people who now put, people who work for Spotify. So it's not not algorithms. Amazon, also, also algorithms. Mm. Yeah, algorithms. In fact, it's probably more algorithms than people now, isn't it? Yeah. So these playlists are being put together by algorithms or by people to essentially not alienate the people that decide to engage with them. So if you put on music for Coffee Break, if there's one song that's annoying or irritating to you or has a guitar solo in it that's losing your, losing your engagement, that could be a problem for the people that are putting the playlist together. So everything gets market-researched into oblivion. Music gets market-researched into oblivion. The problem is that music should never be about market research. And that's where the whole kind of you know contradiction comes. Creativity versus business, where does yeah. that... We, we,
0: we're now... Well, it's your version of intellectual property, isn't it?
6: Well, well, we're living in a world... Well, that's a whole other world. We should, we should, we should talk about like okay. AI. We should talk about AI now mm. and how that's going to affect music because that's going to completely shake it up again. Right. We are, okay. we are in a, we're in a generation now that have grown up in a world where music is free. You don't pay for music. You don't pay for music. Why would I pay for music? Now, we're in a world that's about to transition again where music might not even be made by human beings. It might become, I'm not talking about all music, but generic forms of music, techno music. It's very easy to program AI to make generic techno music. So why would anybody pay anybody, a human being to make techno music? We're not a million miles away In fact, I think this is going to happen in the next, probably the next five years. We're not a million miles away from you being able to come home from your busy day at the office and say to your computer, your Alexa, or whatever the equivalent is, Alexa, please, I would like a piece of music in the style of Porcupine Trees in Absentia or Opus Blackwater Park, but I want it sung by Freddie Mercury, and I want it to be about, I want it to be a happy song about moving to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and the AI will create that for you in real time. It will be a bespoke piece of music just for you that's created in real time with, a, with an artificial um, model of Freddie's voice but sounding like a very convincing outtake from Blackwater Park or In absentia and the lyrics will be a joyous song about moving to Mexico. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And the only thing the business has to talk about is who gets paid for that. Do the estate of Freddie Mercury get paid for that? Does the estate of Opeth or Pugman Tree get paid for that? And this is a whole can of worms opening up now in the music industry about who gets paid for what, because they know it's coming. They know it's coming. Artificial intelligence can already create convincing impersonations of Beatles songs from the 1960s. There's been online famously recently, there's been songs that were recorded by Paul McCartney solo. Someone's taken them and created a version where John Lennon sings it. Very convincing. Almost like it was a Beatles song that John sang, that Paul had written for John this is going to happen and it's not far off. And part of me thinks we're in the end of days anyway for for the music industry, which is a very sad thing to acknowledge. And I'm very fortunate. I feel like I've lived through the last great era in a way for creativity and music and human beings making music with all its flaws and all its personality traits because we're entering a time now where it's very easy for AI to make a convincing Drake song because Drake puts his voice through 100% auto-tune anyway so it already sounds like Stephen Hawking is on lead vocals how hard (laughs) right so how hard is it for an AI to create a convincing Drake impersonation not very hard because it already sounds like a robot singing so this whole thing about musicians becoming obsolete this is a whole other area there's a book to be written about this, I tell you. Yeah. Because it's a scary time. And I think everyone doesn't really know a bit like when streaming was like first, you know, Napster first came on and on board and online and everyone, all the record companies and all the artists, you know, were f- like Lars or famously yeah. got himself in a lot of hot water. Everyone was freaking out. No one could really figure out how it was going to impact them and their livelihood. And the answer is. Terrible, it impacted all musicians. Terrible, but there was no way to put the genie back in the bottle. Really,
0: mm. and how did they evolve? Was it through more live shows?
6: I think the artists that could um, move their attention from making records to to going out on tour, which is why we increasingly have the legacy tour, the greatest mm. hits tour. At least people will pay three hundred bucks for yeah. uh, for to hear, you know, Elton John go through all his hits, because. You know, at the end of the day, there's much less interest in Elton John writing and recording a new record. Mm. Um, but and It's true of almost every artist. So that's how the world moved because of, really because of the advent of streaming. Mm. But I mean, that, that also pushed towards people towards a sort of greatest hits culture. What we talked about, the, the decreasing attention span. Would
0: you ever do a greatest hits?
6: You mean an album or a Greatest Hits tour? Uh,
0: an, an album.
6: Mm, yes, I mean, yes, I would do an album where, where I compiled what people think of as my most popular songs. Yeah, mm. I mean, I think there's something wonderful about the iconic Greatest Hits album. Mm. For some artists, I think that's, that's the definitive you know, album, the Greatest mm. Hits album.
0: Stephen looks like he's going to come out in cold sweats with this. I can imagine if you are a YouTuber, a video creator, you're someone who uses technology, this probably excites you because it commoditizes um, music and increases the speed of creation of it and reduces the cost significantly. But this is one of the existential questions of AI is if it, sucks out of us all of our creativity and innovation and the human element, the emotional element of music. And back when I loved music, used to get the sleeves of vinyl, the gatefold, open it up, it was a piece of art, used to carefully place the record on, or when you get the CDs and you paid £15 for a CD. And you wouldn't mind listening to 30-second intros or big build-ups, big intros and outros and long guitar solos. And now everyone is so impatient. And everyone is looking at the retention and cut that bit out and cut that bit out and cut that bit out. And the first few chords, you've got to get to the main part of the song. And it's really commoditizing music, film, series. I look at Mr. Beast's edits on youtube and it should cut 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 cut, cut, cut 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 every um and um and thought and ism removed and it's like we're coming this adhd culture i think it's stress inducing i think it's overwhelming like we don't have an issue of not enough information we have the paradox of choice of far too much information what scares me the most about this is Music's going to be controlled by AI machines. And it's going to become commercial and all the creativity is going to be sucked out of it. I don't even know if Stephen Wilson, like a dying breed of experimental musicians. I don't even know if anyone would know him if he came into the music industry today. Mm. Do you think that that structure is for the good of Humanity.
7: Um, I think that uh, the demonstration of the last three years uh, shows many of us that um, not only is that organization not qualified, but it is grounded. That that structure, and and I assume now you're you've transitioned to speaking of the World Economic Forum. I shouldn't uh, make assumptions. You you mean the structure of this kind of fragmented multipolar environment or what please clarify
0: yeah the how you presented this sh- the way that the world is controlled that structure however it's been created is that for the benefit of humankind and the people
7: no i, th- I think that it's for the benefit of um a s- relatively small number of individuals who seek uh, power, control, um, capital, um, hegemony. Uh, it's almost as if we have passed into a time when instead of, with the possible exception of the, well, really even the CCP, the CCP isn't China. Um, we have a collection of, of hyper-powerful kind of transnational interests that seem to be seeking to dominate and control for their own interests. And um, it seems like uh, humanity in general is uh, given short shrift. And and we have these uh, discussions and thought leaders such as Harari um, that uh, advocate uh, this logic of another industrial revolution in which one sees the fusion of man and machine and this isn't, this isn't crazy talk. This is the, well, maybe it maybe does crazy talk, but it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, this is documented. Um, sapiens is one book. Uh, um, and, uh, and these people seem to envision, uh, something that looks an awful lot like a dark dystopia out of, out of, uh, um, the Wachowski's imagination or something, uh, you know, um, it's some some cross of uh, Terminator and The Matrix, uh, in which we we have uh, and and I think the other one I need to do a shout out with is Bruce Sterling and uh, the cyberpunk genre that have envisioned this world of uh, um, mechs uh, and shapers, which is kind of the the universe that that seems to be foreseen by. Uh, the German, uh, British and American military industrial complex in which we have uh, implantables uh, routinely employed and uh, a combination of, of um, biomechanical modifications of humans and, and uh, directed evolution or, or genetic modification as as one vision for the future of humanity. It is, it is uh, um, uh, profoundly uh, egotistic. Uh, it's, the hubris is um, uh, almost overwhelming.
0: I'm equally positive and scared about AI in the future. As a business owner and entrepreneur, I think that coding, websites, design, these can all be outsourced much cheaper, they can be done much more quickly in real time. Therefore, if I can lower my overhead and increase my margin, I can then employ more higher skilled, more creative people and combat against soaring taxes. I'm excited about the medical advancements in AI and the bespoke nature that we could have our own chat GPT doctor that could extend our life by decades by knowing in advance what illnesses we may or may not have or get and these tiny nanobots that could potentially do anything in our body and this who knows limbs could be cut off and limbs could be re-engineered through AI and 3D printing I mean the mind boggles with the potential of that. But the ability for the government to control you, to debank you, to withhold payments, to withhold your movements, to surveil you, to track you. This is really scary to me. Already, taxes are far too high. Already, the state is taking far too much from us. At any moment, we can be cancelled, deplatformed, censored, controlled, manipulated imprisoned, fake suicide, poisoned, wiped out. Who knows what they're up to and that scares me greatly. AI is a conversation I want to keep having on disruptors. I want to be real, but I also want to explore how you can start a business, how you can make money, how you can be hyper productive, how you can reduce costs, how you can have admin and resource and research assistance all while maintaining your freedom, your creativity, and your individuality. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.